0: Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired
1: by Canada's Christian magazine.
0: Gary Stagg leads Open Doors Canada, an organization that works in some of the world's most difficult places serving Christians experiencing persecution. I'm Karen Stiller, and Gary spoke with me about how we can stand with our sisters and brothers around the world and what we can learn from their witness. This interview also appears in the print edition of Faith Today magazine, and you can subscribe for free now if you live in Canada. Just go to www.faithtoday.ca. This episode also officially marks our name change to the Faith Today podcast. We just thought it fit a little better. You can expect lots of great interviews in the episodes to come to help us all live a more authentic and engaged life of faith. Gary, tell us, uh, tell us briefly about the work of Open Doors for people who might not be familiar.
1: Open Doors exists to strengthen and equip Christians who are living in the world's most dangerous places. We come alongside of uh, Christians who are being persecuted. We provide discipleship, safe houses, trauma support, jo- job training. We equip and train leaders We still also distribute Bibles and Christian literature, and also when the need is there, we provide basic human needs.
0: And you do this, I think people know you through your World Watch list, perhaps, where every year you rank uh, the top 50 most dangerous countries to live in as a Christian, and uh, you mentioned that. Um, Where are the hardest places right now to live as a Christian in the world?
1: Well, the hardest place, which has been the hardest place for the past, I think, 18 years is uh, North Korea, where in North Korea, of course, if you're found to be a Christian, found out to be a Christian, you and your whole family will most likely be sent to a brutal labor camp. In North Korea, if you are found in, with the possession of a Bible, you quite likely will be put to death for that. Wow. So that's a very brutal place. But I would encourage anybody to go on and look at the World Watch list, and they are ranked according to severity and the level of persecution in the countries. There are countries that are really escalating up the uh, ladder as well. One of those, I think, in particular is India, and India is uh, seeing a lot of persecution, a rise in persecution since 2014, since the election of the new government who is uh, sympathetic to the Hindu extremists, the government really has declared that by the end of 2021, they want to see India reverted to a completely Hindu nation. So in their minds, to be Indian is to be Hindu. And so they turn a blind eye to anybody that will put pressure on Christians to convert to Hinduism. And they do all kinds of Awful things to Christians and pastors and churches just to uh, try to meet that target of end of 2021.
0: Gary, does persecution always look the same in countries across the breadth of your list, or does persecution depend on the place?
1: It really depends on the place There are different drivers of persecution, of course. I think that uh, one thing that people often think of, and this is a misunderstanding that people have about persecution, is is that they often equate persecution to violence. And although, you know, we do see violence, I just mentioned India, which is seeing a lot of violence towards uh, Christians. Pakistan and places like that that see a lot of violence uh, towards Christians in Nigeria, just recently, we saw horrific things happening. But for the most part, across the across the the spectrum, the biggest thing is the daily pressure and the daily squeeze on Christians. In Open Doors, we have the words "smash" and "squeeze." In some areas, it's the smash, and that's okay. the violent areas. But for the majority, it's um, it's the squeeze, and they live with uh, you know they're being discriminated against. They're Marginalized, they're made to wait at the end of the line always, they're relegated to the lowest jobs in society, their children can't get into proper schools, all because they're Christians. And so they feel that constant pressure and squeeze all the time.
0: Okay. And then to take that beat further, the squeeze would be a pressure to give up their Christian faith because life is so much harder with it, it sounds
1: like. That's right. I mean it always it always in the back is that idea that they will convert to whatever the religion of the country is. Okay. A lot of this a lot of persecution is driven by a religious nationalism. And so they're told that if they will recant then things will be different for them. That doesn't always happen because in many cases if you're born a Christian in pretty much all of these countries, your religion is on your uh, citizenship. So on your identification card, you have to state your religion. And it's not always that easy to get that changed. Although in some countries, they will readily change it because they're, they're wanting to show more population in a certain religious group and thereby put more pressure on everyone in the country to... Fall in line with that religious group.
0: Okay, tell us about women, um, female Christians in particular. I know uh, Open Doors has done some good work on shining the light on sort of that double kind of persecution that women can undergo. Can you explain that?
1: Well, women are definitely doubly uh, doubly vulnerable when it comes to persecution because, again, in these societies that they live in, they they're not always viewed as equal to uh, their male counterparts. And so they live with the stigma of being female. But then on top of that, of course, there is the persecution. And so they are we, what we call doubly persecuted, just because they are women. And some of the attitudes towards women are not at all what we see in Canada. I mean, we quite evolved when it comes to those kinds of issues, and thankfully so. But in these countries, they still have this very super traditional idea of women, and women are to be kept at a lower lower level than men. And so with that, there is the persecution. When it comes, it's double on them already, but sometimes the type of persecution as well is uh, a lot more severe. So, We talk about, you know, them being sexually violated and uh, people turning a blind eye to that because, after all, they're just women, you know. So it's a pretty horrific thing for women that live in a lot of these countries where persecution is the norm for Christians.
0: This is probably a naive question I'm about to ask, but I, I am wondering if a woman and her family or her household, say, convert to Christianity from a more, um, if I can say the word, oppressive style of faith, perhaps that relegates women to a lesser position. And, you know, hopefully their uh, embrace of Christianity Enables them to see women and men as, you know, co-heirs to Christ, and but maybe disrupts their cultural understanding of women and men's roles. For example, does that make life more complicated too, or is that just like a gift? I know it's probably a naive question, but I'm really wondering.
1: No, I mean, thank, when when that does happen, there's. There's family issues that they have to deal with, of course. Okay. So the extended family will put a lot of pressure on that particular family for converting. So there'll be a tremendous amount of persecution from family members. When they come into the church, when they make that decision to convert to Christianity, obviously they find a very supportive group within that, but this is already a group that's being persecuted. And so they're joining, they're going from being non-persecuted to joining a group that is persecuted, right, that is persecuted. Right. Yeah. So it, it's a big step, obviously, mm. for anyone to make that jump. Uh, but when they do, um, that's, I mean, and that's part of what we do. We, we come alongside of those people and try to support them through those difficult times.
0: So the global support of organizations like Open Doors and how you are encouraging the Canadian church to come alongside must be so hugely important to help Christians in persecuted countries not feel so alone.
1: Yes, that's, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things that we, at Open Doors, we have what we call a presence ministry. For instance, when we do a missions trip, our missions trips would look quite different from missions trips where people would go from Canada to um, countries that are relatively safe to go and you know, build buildings and help to do all of those kinds of things, and maybe even help to evangelize and start a church and so on. When, when we take missions trips, we go with the intent purpose of encouraging these believers to let them know that there are people out there that know they exist for one thing and that are standing with them in prayer and support. Many times in these countries, I just heard of a girl in North Africa who um, she converted to Christianity through reading things online. So she was very curious and she found an online Bible and then she prayed a prayer to... Asked Christ to come into her life. And uh, for the longest time, she thought that she was the only Christian in North Africa. Wow. She thought she must be because she didn't know of any other Christians.
0: Amazing.
1: And so, yeah, in the country where she lives. And so, uh, through further investigation, of course, she found out that uh, through online again, that uh, there were other people. And so uh, she reached out to them and joined this online church so to speak. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, but there are many people like that. Our job is to let them know that they're not alone. And I think that's the greatest thing. One of the important things I should say that we do as a ministry is to help them to know that they're not alone, that there are people out there that are praying for them. But the other thing I would say that's really important is that we're not an organization that has the job or sees ourselves as as having the role of removing people from persecution. So we see our job as coming alongside of people who are living in persecution, not so that they can get out of it, but rather so that they can actually stay and be the salt and light of Christ right where they are.
0: Do they want to leave, though?
1: You know, I'm sure that there are many that if given the opportunity they would, but overwhelmingly what we see is that they have a heart for their country and they have a heart for the gospel. Amazing. And so they for the most part want to stay. Now there are cases like in um, when it becomes just so difficult and everything is taken away from them like in Syria, you know, we've seen so many refugees from Syria that that's a that's another story, but in in most of these cases, most of these countries, they don't think so much in terms of getting out because they don't see that as an option. right? But they see that they still have a part to play in the gospel, that they are called to be the salt and light of Jesus right where they are. And so how can they effectively do that? How can they safely do that? And and in a way where um, they're not going to create more persecution, but rather, just like just like I'm saying, just to be the salt and light so that people can see that there's a difference there and be attracted to the gospel in that sense. So we see our job as helping them to stay, to be those the salt and light where right where they are.
0: So Gary, I'm sure you hear, and I know you collect and tell stories that are probably deeply disturbing. And, um, sad and tragic, but I know you must also hear wonderful, joyful stories that must deeply encourage you and your team in your own faith. Can you share a little bit
1: about that? Yes, we um it, it is it can be it can be kind of depressing work to be honest, because we mm-hmm. we hear so much. And a lot of what I hear in particular, it's at a certain level what that we can't really share it with. Um, the average population in the Western world. Uh, just for security reasons, we can't share a lot of the stuff that we that we hear, but we hear it as as leaders, and and sometimes it can get you down. But I I'm, I'm all really quick to people say to me, you know, about the World Watch List, and you've referred to that already, but um, they say to me, um, boy, that's such a depressing list. And, and I say, yes, you know, in many ways it is. I mean, you know, that, that's pretty sad when you think that uh, these 50 countries experience such horrific persecution. But I'm also very quick to point out that there's a lot of good news as well, mm. because that list also represents those who have made that firm commitment to Christ and who have said, no matter what comes, I will follow Christ. And so we see amazing things happen. I think of the country of Iran, and missiologists tell us now that Iran has the fastest growing evangelical church in the world. Now, we don't hear that on the news.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow.
1: And we hear lots of stories, and we know, I mean, we just prayed this morning with our team. Those that have been, there were just another group of of uh, Christian leaders in Iran who were r- arrested and put in prison. And we have a lot of brothers and sisters in Iran who are in prison. But at the same time, we see such amazing things happen in that country where so many people are coming to faith. You know, back before the revolution in Iran, a missiologist guesstimated that there were about 500 Christians in Iran. And now some put the projections at over a million. We go a little more conservative with open, in open doors and we say there's over 800,000, but many missiologists are saying that there is over a million Christians in Iran today. So that's, that's an incredible story. That's amazing really to see what God is doing.
0: Gary, what is it about persecution that you know, helps the church grow, that waters that plant?
1: I think I've asked that. I've asked myself that question so many times because it seems that the church actually does not do well under prosperity, mm-hmm. but it certainly does well under persecution. You know, when we look at the churches in Revelation, we know the one that was given the uh, the greatest condemnation was the church that at Laodicea that was living under prosperity. But the one that was given the greatest commendation was the church that was um, undergoing tremendous persecution. What I, and I see it when I work with these people and when I visit them in the field and so on. There's an absolute pureness to their faith. It's not tainted by any politic or any, any of these things that you know we often get caught up in, in Christianity in the West. It's just a pure faith in Jesus and following the ways of Jesus. And I think that we would have to say that that's still attractive, that that pure faith, that the, if you get back to the pureness of following and doing what Jesus asked us to do, there's still power in that.
0: So how has this encouraged your faith then? Like I I can imagine you on a trip meeting with Christians, seeing the church you know, breathing in the air of that pure faith, and then coming back and, you know, having that sustain you for a long time. Is that something true in your life?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, it it is humbling. Because when when we go, and especially, you know, as leaders, we go to uh, meet with these people and meet with their leaders and so on. They look at us from the West and they have this idea that we're giants of the faith. And, you know, they want us to pray for them because they think that we're so strong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And actually, inside, I'm feeling like, actually, can you pray for me? Because in light of what I'm seeing, I feel like my faith is weak. So that's very humbling and very challenging for me. And in my own life, to make sure that my my life lines up more with following the pureness of Christianity, to get back to what's truly important, and just following Jesus no matter what.
0: Oh, that's so uh, that's so beautiful to hear, Gary. I need to ask you. I bet, and I bet you get asked this question a lot, but I think it just naturally arises when we hear about the levels of persecution faced by our brothers and sisters around the world. When you hear North American Christians use the word persecution for themselves, what does that do to you and how do you respond? What do you say to that?
1: I try to be uh, <laughs> very diplomatic and say there's a difference between secular intolerance and persecution. I mean, in a, in a sense, I guess, secular intolerance that we experience, and we do experience that in Canada, let's be honest, I guess it could be what we would consider a mild form of persecution. But it's nothing compared to what these brothers and sisters have to go through on a daily basis. Secular intolerance, is, I, I would say, is what we deal with mostly. And uh, I mean, the Bible does say that all those who will live godly will suffer persecution. So I guess on on one level, yes, we do. If we're living godly, if we're living the way that we're supposed to live, there's going to be pushback. But it's hard to compare the pushback that we get living in a free society to the pushback that our brothers and sisters get living in a country where they're persecuted where they're not free to live their faith. They're not free to practice Christianity. They're not free to change their religion. As of now, we can still do all of that. I can walk across the street and speak to my Muslim neighbor about Christ and have a great conversation with that person and not have to worry about being reported to the authorities. So we have it good here. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, I do understand also that you know we are seeing more and more secular intolerance and i'm not sure where that will lead to but i know that as an organization we are trying to monitor that as well
0: and of course i mean we have we pardon me we have the example of our sisters and brothers in persecuted countries to follow and as as an inspiration to us if <clears throat> if we ever did reach that terrible place
1: yes for sure i always say to people and when I'm speaking in churches or at a conference or anything like that, we have this idea, you know, we're trying to spread the news about persecuted Christians because we feel, well, I, and I, I mean, I do feel that they, they really do need us as the Western church. They, they, they need us to support them. But I also am quick to point out that we need them as well. We need them because we're all one body. There's not, you know, the free church and the church under persecution. The Bible says that there is only one body. And when one part suffers, every part suffers. A friend of, a, of Brother Andrew's once said, way back, he said, We don't have a church that's in persecution and a church that's on holiday. We're all together. And so we're just one church. And so I think that we, we, we're supporting them right now. But they also are speaking volumes to us if we will listen to them about what it, li- what it means to live that pure faith under difficult circumstances.
0: Yeah, that is that is so helpful uh, as a way to understand who and how we are in the world. That it's not us and them; it's it's we, the church. And I, exactly. I just yeah, I find that so helpful, Gary. So, how can the Canadian church help? How can individual Canadian Christians come alongside?
1: Well, if you ask a persecuted believer, and I do ask them that question all the time, they will say to you, "Please pray." <laughs> Um, remember these are family members living in unimaginable circumstances and all they ever ask for is prayer. And so they're counting on us to, to pray for them. And so I would say first and foremost, pray. You can do that by using resources like the monthly prayer calendar. And in fact, that's how I got started more than 20 years ago, um, with, um, The persecuted church and praying for. I started. It started with praying for them, and I picked up that I picked up the prayer calendar from Open Doors, the monthly prayer calendar, and it's just a short little prayer every day, a real person that you're praying for, and it gives you the prayer, and you can just pray that prayer for that person, and uh, that's how it started with me. And then the burden began to grow. I would say also, if you can, obviously give, give, donate. Um, we work, uh, we're already in places where the need is the greatest. And so any, any uh, gift that people would make, of course, is going to make a huge difference. I would say educate yourself about persecution, understand what's going on in the world, move outside the, the bubble, the Christian bubble that we often live in, in Western countries, and educate yourself about what's happening in the body of Christ worldwide. This is why I feel the World Watch list that we've referred to is so important, such an important piece of work that Open Doors does on a yearly basis. Every day there are people that are doing the research and uh, teams of professionals that are compiling all of this data and information about what's going on in the world when it comes to Christian persecution. And I think that uh, really it's on us to understand that. And again, you know, we send out a newsletter. We have regular updates on our website. We have a Facebook page, Instagram. We have a weekly podcast called the World Watch Weekly that people can subscribe to. And also we just started last month a monthly prayer Zoom meeting. Uh, a zoom prayer meeting. And that's on the first Tuesday of every month. And if you want to receive an invitation to that, just people can send us an email and uh, we can give them, we can, we can make sure that they get on the invitation for that.
0: That sounds wonderful. So if we, if we go to your website online, opendoors.ca, um, I presume it is. You can it's open
1: to actually opendoorsca.org.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, then we can tap into that world, Gary. Thank you so much for um, just opening our minds a little bit more and helping us look inside to what the persecuted church goes through. And and I just I love that um, humility of how we can also learn and being deeply encouraged by um, just being together in this world.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate
1: or share it.